I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 minutes with women, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in the tech industry by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60 plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DEIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting to the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voice of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture, to retain diverse talent, so we keep the workplace power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Panilla Vinneby, CEO at Know It Experience Sweden. Hi, Panilla. Hi. I'm super happy to have you. And this is the first time that I'm running this podcast live. So happy to see you in front of me. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. A bit um, hectic months right now. There's a lot of things going on, both at the company and at society. We're affected. It's a high-speed environment. For everybody that doesn't know, I work as UX lead at Know It Experience. Pranilla is my CEO, so it's going to be amazing to get to know her. Let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Very goal-oriented, visionary, and quite a bit messy. How would you describe your life? I'm a person that is always on the journey, constantly changing things. And of course, when you do things fast, there is mess behind. I live as I work. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Mostly fall back on singer-songwriter categories, a bit moody music. I usually use music to unwind and relax. Basically, I listen to quite a wide variety. What is your personal motto? got this motto from my teacher when I was studying in northern Sweden. He's American and he said, change it or quit bitching. And that motto gets stuck with me because it puts me in a forward mode. And I often realize that after a while, when I'm brooding and thinking things and complaining, I mostly find out that I get the keys to change it. And I could always move on or I could quit doing something I don't like. I have a choice and that kind of motto puts the aspect of control. You have control of your life. What is your favorite book? 
<laughs> I can't tell because it's quite low quality. I should probably say something really good like Nietzsche or something. But right now I'm also studying half time. So I read a lot of high quality university books and articles. But otherwise I read like really low class literature just to relax. What is your favorite podcast? I have to say our own podcast by FM Digital Therapy. Mac or PC? Mac. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. I'm not sure, actually. I don't think about myself as interesting in that kind of way. I'm always on the go for the next goal or mission. What is your hidden talent? I so much wish that I had this specific talent. Like bit corny, I think that when I was little, I dove into knowing a lot of information about different uh, drawers of the Donald Duck comics. I could probably tell the difference on drawing style between a Karl Barks or a Don Rosa drawing, but that's basically it. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? The Change is the Life or What's Next? Great start, Vanilla. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experience shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Uddevalla. It's a smaller town on the west coast, Boesland. But I have my family in town either further out the coastline in Lusashil, where my father's from. So when I go back home nowadays, I go to Lusashil. What was your dream job as a child? Really early on in those old school best friend journals, it says uh, businessman. I probably scored that one on an early stage. What was your favorite subject in school? I would go for art is like the biggest interest when I was little, but I always liked this behavioral studies in different way. Why people do as they do and what makes people tick and don't. And what was your least favorite subject? Math. That's why I studied economics. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? I think one of the earliest things was that my friend got internet for a Christmas gift. And I couldn't really wrap my mind around it. And she tried to tell me, yeah, you go into something called a chat. And then there's different rooms. And one room is called like kitchen. One room is called vardagsrummet. And then you talk to strange people. Okay, I think I kind of get it. Which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? would be probably this Walkman freestyle that was waterproof. I would say that was a cool technology gear that I had, and I stuck with it. The most of my tech gears were music-oriented in some ways. Who was your female role model growing up and why? I come from a small town. That time period wasn't like that big on female role models. I have to say like the classic one, like my mom and my aunt both have been like incredible supports for me. They have started their own companies. They have manager roles and so on. And my grandmother was driving equality questions back in the days in my hometown. So I come from a line of female strong women. Impressive. And you said that you come from a small city. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? I think the limitation is the key here because when you come from a small town, especially time age, as we talked about previously, it doesn't open up the possibilities for you. And I think that's true for different groups in society as well, because you can't see the clouds and the suns that you actually are able to grab. So I think the limitation has put some boundaries on me. And during my journeys, the boundaries has opened up that I could wish for so much more. And there is so much bigger targets to to grab than I I realized when I was younger. Interesting. Now I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. 
Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So, Pernilla, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? I studied at Luleå University. As we talked on previously, I didn't have set the goals of go to the Swedish Ivy Leagues or could I go outside of the country. But I actually chose Luleå for number one, two and three choice. And it was basically because it was a technical university and I wanted to study business because that I decided when I was in kindergarten. And that university could combine those two. So I was set up that the area that these are two topics that I'm interested in. I'm interested in tech and I'm interested in business. I want to learn more about it. And was that what influenced you to get into your chosen field? Yeah, in some way, but I wasn't that set up on that specific target because, as we said, internet and this industry wasn't even born then. So I was more like, these are subjects that really interest me and I'm really interested in business and building business. That was from an early stage. It was a choice that I made. What professional roles have you had before that led you to leading Note Experience Sweden? Business and leadership in different varieties. I started early as a part of a group in a digital agency at another company named Sigma. And that agency named Maverick. But basically we're just four people working in classic IT consultancy environment. We like design. We were interested in user behavior. That term wasn't really invented by then. I took the business lead in business innovation role. And we started to build from that. And that became Maverick. That is a large agency per today. But it was maybe four to five people when I left it for Knowit. And then I went to Knowit Stockholm as a manager for the UX team. So I was set to build the offering within UX because it was something that was growing. And then I started with eight people instead of just four. We were maybe 25 people. And then I was asked to take over the CEO role for Knowit Experience Gatenberg. It was a company that needed a turnaround. They were performing red figures for some time and were lacking vision. So I did that for three years and then I decided that I missed Stockholm and went back. What does Knowit Experience Sweden do? We are a digital agency. We're the largest digital agency that is under one roof in the Nordics. We have some competitors that are equals in size, but they don't host under one common offering. We do everything from user interfaces, web design, e-commerce, digital productions, I don't want to narrow it down too much because we are on a journey and the market is quite agile. We are seeing that new offerings are increasing every day, but basically we want to build solutions that some way put customer or the user at the center. And we want to evolve digital solutions around that one to make better transactions, better solutions for companies. And as a CEO, what is your main responsibilities? Of course, it's all those baseline things as like keeping a solid economy in the company, create a good workplace and make people thrive here. But otherwise, it's also about expanding business, focus on the trends. What kind of market are we in? How does the competition look on a strategic level? Is there areas we want to expand in and how do we do it? So a lot of my time goes to listen to people, talk to people, trying to draw a conclusion. What's next? What do we want to invest in? What do we want to quit doing to put the company in a better position for the future? What does a typical workday look like for you? 
I would say a lot of talking to people and I have two children at home so I try to go home meet up and um, most days I put them to bed and then I put in some hours from like eight or seven do those things that needs to be produced in text or powerpoints and so on but some days I just decide I need to just kick back and relax and read one of those lousy books or play mobile games something really cheesy. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Pernilla, what do you love about your role? I love that I can control the change. I can drive the change because I don't really think about it as work actually that much. It's basically a sandbox for launching new ideas and to be able to do that as a professional and get paid for it. It's quite awesome. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? Any examples? We recently came from the celebration. There have been a team in our company that worked for weeks and days trying to reinvent, make a pitch for an important customer and they landed it and we came from these big celebrations. And I think that's what really inspires me and makes it really fun to go to work. See people creating stuff, doing those amazing solutions, see people become better every day. I think that's the fun part of it. We are all on this journey together. And what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? It is always a challenge when economies are like failing and the downside of the work is that you are in the end point of line. You are the one that holds the ship and you need to make sure that we do the right things and we take the right bets. And if we don't, then you have to take responsibility for it. Bad economy, bad pricing, bad decision, always have rough decision. And I haven't one specific, but of course there's been times that has been rougher for a company and I've had to make tough decisions. What do you wish everybody understood about your role? I'm just like ordinary people. I used to have those works that other people used to have. And sometimes it's a fear to approach me and think that I have all the answers. But I think something that I've learned is when I'm meeting people at my position or above my position is that you get surprised that there's just an ordinary. It could be fearsome when you think about the prime minister is also just an ordinary guy playing video games, probably. What is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to disapprove? Maybe that the agency business is just about drawing and being creative, that it actually takes a lot of work. It weighs heavily on tech, it weighs heavily on analytics, and we are into a lot of companies' core business because the difference that we deliver changes their revenue streams. What do you love about working in the tech industry? The constant innovation and the curiosity. There's never any, oh, we've done this before and we don't want to change. We know how things are done because there's always new GDP coming. Everybody was celebrating and then like Google launches it. Uh, and then everybody knows us. Yeah, you guys can go here, but there will be a new thing in a year. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. What have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? This is a difficult question because I don't really think about my career in achievements or failures because I'm a bit afraid to put achievements and failures in like this black and white boxes because I want to stay in the gray scale because the goal for me is the journey to keep on moving. And once I start to think this was an achievement and this was a failure, then I start to classify it. And then I get fear of trying because I don't want to end up in the failure box. If I have defined what an achievement is, then I need to define a failure. I try to avoid that kind of categorization. Any success habits that led you to do this? 
I'm not sure. I think it's a way of looking at progress and avoiding. Of course, I'm all for celebrations. And I think that you should reflect. But I really do use reflection as much on success as I do on failures. So I think the habit is like staying in this loop of reflection. And even when you do this success solutions, there is always bits and pieces that could be improved. What I do is I don't categorize failure and success, but I always try to be in this reflection loop and I try to reflect verbally with a lot of people. That's why I'm always in meetings, try to grab different point of views and like angles on stuff. And then I do a bit by myself, but I think that reflection is the key. And just go outside your normal network. I build networks outside of this company. I'm trying to share this and this. I didn't do as well. What do you think about it? Could we change it? What do you think about this? Testing new ideas. How do you measure your own performance then at work? It's very easy if you ask my manager because it's EBITDA and EBITDA margin and growth. That's it. But for me personally, I try to like measure the change. Now I actually work with this guy Ponsandre that is helping me measure a lot of things. And a lot of the things that we do measure is the progress for something. Have we moved from this to this? We measure everything like how happy are we at the company? Do we celebrate enough? I like to measure progress and I like to measure hard figures, but also the soft things. What is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? We are in this really interesting journey. We just merged three companies. We're in a market that is going through some big transformations like the digitalization of businesses. There's moving in a lot of capital into that area. So we have been on the center discussion in a lot of boardrooms and C-levels. And I think that is really inspiring because now the company is trying to adapt to this new reality where we are making money for other companies actually and not just designing good user experiences. We need to balance that because we can't lose the core focus of building really good kind of maybe disruptive solutions for end users or customers. But at the same time, we need to raise the ambition bar at our company to be able to help our customers to perform better with their digitalization. So I think it's a really interesting time now. And I'm trying to navigate all these new trends and offerings that is floating the market right now. Let us now jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Pranila, do you have a mentor, champion, or sponsor today? Several. I've always had role models, mentors and so on from the beginning, actually. I've always tried to have one or at least one, often more, that is a lot more experienced than myself. Preferably someone within my organization that can be my sponsor or help me put a nuance on truths where I design them. But I also have like a lot of sponsors and networks outside of the company, within our sister companies. And I've tried to like really work on that kind of network because that builds a lot of opportunities, both for me as an individual, but also for the business. Who is the female role model you look up to in your field? 
just constantly changing. Like for just a couple of weeks ago, I was studying in San Francisco, Palo Alto. And then I met a woman named Denise Persson, Swedish CMO for Snowflake. And she was like really inspiring on how she took and did IPOs and the startup traveling and how you managed to drive with this even more constantly changing tech environment in Silicon Valley. So I thought she was really inspiring. But I've also looked into Jessica Dallman at Optimizely has done an amazing journey with that company. History shows it has been more common for men having mentors, champions and sponsors in business than women. So Penilla, how important do you think it is to have a mentor, champion or sponsor during one's career? I think it's key. I think it will be really difficult to not have that. And that's why I promote to not get too locked up like this is the person. But you need to have like several different and you need to have people that holds your back and put your word on the table in rooms that you don't have access to. To be able to evolve your own career, it is crucial. But it's also crucial to get this kind of new perspectives on things that change your mindset, change your truth. You need to have like several angles that constantly challenge you. Let's move on to leadership. Adena Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. What does leadership mean to you? In baseline, it is, of course, to visualize an ambition and the goal that is leadership. Where are we heading? Is there something there? But the other side of that point is how do you empower individuals to see their own potential? And that is probably where most of the works should be put in. Maybe the balance isn't 50-50. Maybe it should be like more 20-80 or something. Probably differs between where in the market stage you and your company are. But you can't go anywhere without a good crew around you and then you need to make sure that they have the belief that they can walk that direction and that they have the security of other people supporting them on this direction. So I think leadership is mostly about empowering and making people see their potential. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? The difference between working against a goal or target or like giving orders or like power versus demanding. I think there is a mindset of how you go into leading businesses. Of course, when it's a war, it's probably very efficient to work strict demanding orders and hierarchies. But if you want to have a company, specifically when you're in a market as the digital agency, whereas there's a highly malleable market with like a lot of agile and change and so on, you need to have people that can set out their own mind, see things that you don't see. You need people that move by themselves. And I think it would be devastating to have a leadership in such an organization that is, this is the way now, guys, we take things from the left corner and put it in the right. I think that would be limiting for the business and the development. Who is your favorite female tech leader and why? I think it's the same as I said before. Those are both tech leaders. They're ones that I'm inspired of right now, but it constantly changes, of course. How would you describe yourself as a leader? really goal-oriented. I'm really into analyzing and thinking like about behaviors. Is there something we could change? What motivates us? What makes us tick? How do we evolve things? I'm a bit unstructured, it might seem. In my head, everything is crystal clear, but I'm a bit impatient on putting it in text and the right orders. And I think it's a combination of creative mess, goal orientation, verbally communicating before Britain. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? 
I think friendliness is uh, really important. I'm a team person. I can be on the stage and I don't mind being on the center, but I prefer working as a team, constantly be in this reflecting analytic mode about driving change. Like, is this the right direction? Is this a better way to do things? What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? Don't be afraid of change. Mostly change is good. A lot of um, situations you meet as a leader is the fear of change, what you had, but you don't know what change is taking you, the individuals or the company. But it's impossible to turn back time and you can't have the company or the work situation or the life that you had 10 years ago. You have to embrace it. And I think that the power comes from the group collaboration in those times that we do this together. We are on the journey together. And I think that's what I learned, that change is in somewhat way most of the times good it takes you new places it gives you new experiences what are your three strengths and three weaknesses creative visionary and changeable weaknesses unstructured starts too many things and i'm really bad at remembering faces so people like think that oh my god she didn't say hello and was like please just grab me and say you remember me Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Pernilla, what do diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging mean to you personally? It means possibilities. It's voices and ideas taken care of and interpreted into the organization or into business environments. I think that's quite the biggest loss for mankind overall. Like there are voices that are not taken into consideration. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company yourself? For me, it is freedom. It is ambition and change. But it's above all friendliness, as I talked before. I wouldn't join a company that is just ambitious and gives a lot of freedom. There must be this glue that sticks people together. For me, it's really important with people being friends and really trying to do good for each other and not people that are in a really tough competitive environment. As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? The value of your thoughts and analysis and recommendations is considered at a lower level than male competitors. You always have to keep on moving and showing results. You need to show better results than your male equivalents. And that needs to be considered. I think that's the biggest challenge. I don't have this quick recipe because we are in a time where these things are really important still. However, my manager, Friedrich Ekerhoved, who is manager for a whole experience group, is really good at the inclusive. So I'm never felt that within our area here at Knowit, but uh, it is definitely uh, a behavior that is shown in several different other areas. Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech industry, especially as leaders? Diversity is always good. It doesn't matter if it's like male or female, but you need to have diversity. And it's not just gender. It's a baseline for being able to nurture good ideas, to be able to reflect from new angles and see different solutions. I think it's the core for being able to keep on evolving, both as a human and as a company. That's why tech is, of course, the area where it's lacking of female leaders. They are in more need of the female leaders than the female leaders are in need of tech. Do you and how do you speak with your female and male colleagues about DEIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? 
I always speaks my mind, but I try to hold the ID. When I talk to my managers, it's always about have a fair salary. And I think that I've seen a change. Both younger generations and women especially are more sharing of their different benefits and salaries and so on. So I think we are on a changing path here, but it could always go faster. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching high position in the tech industry. What is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? I think my key is a large network. You need to focus on building friends and building relations more than thinking about, I need a sponsor. You need to think about it as friends that will be inspired. Because when you are friends, they will listen to you as an equal. And then your voice will be heard in the rooms that you don't have presence to. So to unblock, don't think that I need to get one mentor and that will solve anything. I need to get many friends in different layers and different circles. And friends help each other. That's the key, actually. Today, many tech companies work on and spending a lot of money on their marketing budget to attract women. There's a lot of communities supporting women to learn how to code to be more attractive in the market. But there's another big problem, and that is how do we retain the women that is already in the tech industry? So what is your best advice or strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? That's a big question, isn't it? I've had a lot of talks recently with a friend of mine. She works at Obus with AI in Norway. We talked a lot about gender diversification in Norway that has had a really much higher increase of female leaders in boardrooms, for example, and that they had put a number on it. How many females are we about to have in the boardrooms? And it's been this really big discussion in Sweden, like we shouldn't use a quotation and you need to earn your place. But I think we need to have nuanced the discussion about it because they are performing more and in some way you need to start build those relationships you need to have those role models you need to put the females up there to keep the other women want to stay in the organization what would you say are the few challenges of implementing dib culture in a workplace today It's the classic fear of change. And the ones that holds the power, they aren't interested in giving it away. Why should you change? It's for the individual, it might be worse. But for the collective, for the group, it will be better. I think you need to like work on that kind of fear of change. And I think it's a common, we talked about what is the leadership must win battle. And I think it's empower people, lessen the fear of change, hold their hands like this will be good. We do this together and you will get an involvement for it, for yourself as well. You don't see it yet, but it isn't fearsome. You will gain new grounds. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having workplace gender diversity and equity, especially better gender representation at sea level and board level, not just as leaders? It's about the core idea of driving a business. It is to evolve the business, to grow the business. Otherwise, you will just deflate and disappear from the market. So you need to be on this constant change. And to be on a constant change, you need this kind of reflective angles. To be able to reflect, you need to have different voices. It's a crucial part to be able to develop. Like We can't see the solutions from just one lens. I think if you are in charge of a company, if you are in the market, you have like ambition for that company to not be just present today, but tomorrow, and maybe to be a leader, you need to work on how to get a broader spectrum of ideas and voices. Then it's crucial. You need to put the women in there. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? 
loads. I'm used to be like the only female in the room. And I was back in the days, I was sitting in this business meeting. It was me and 12 other men. And I was always asked, could you summarize this? Could you help out with the marketing campaign or something? Otherwise, I did present the same. I think it has changed, but change also takes time. You need to have expectations on the time frame. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? Maybe that I would, back in the days, build stronger female networks outside of the company as well. Maybe I should have tried to reach out to other organizations, situations and friends and gather my friends more. Like you have a lot of opportunities with like university friends and so on. A lot of people lose contact with them. Everybody disappears in different areas. You have each other on Facebook. Facebook gets old. So I think I would be more structured today about building my network. Network and taking better care of it in the earlier days. And looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? I try to invite more and I really try to give voices and mandate or power to unproven people. Like you don't have to have the biggest resume, you have to have goal. It is okay to fail, it is okay to learn along the journey. I try to be the voice as well as others had been the voice to rooms that I didn't have access to. I try to be the voice for those. It isn't always noticeable but these rooms and what is said in those rooms do matter and it will gain people the chance if they want to take it. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Vanilla, as you explained, I know you have a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? It's a really hot topic right now. Everybody's talking about it. I'm not sure I'm always that good on taking care of myself. I try to practice good enough and that's both work and as well as in my private manners. I don't need to have home-baked bread. I ordered Fedora to my son today when he's having homeschool. My father always said better to cheat than be on the second place. So I try to emphasize that in a fun way. You don't have to deliver on top. You're good enough anyway. I think that's the biggest impact that works better for me than doing this yoga session and running. I try to do those as well. Have you ever experienced burnout? No, but of course I've been in areas of my life when there's been close to overload. A house with potential in Gothenburg and a company that needed a turnaround. It was heavy workload and it wasn't my best, healthiest year. But then I remember change it to quit bitching. And I decided, let's change it. Let's move back to Stockholm. Let's sell this house. I don't need to live in the house. We decided that when I found myself stuck, can I change it? Can I just drop off? Try to skip the prestige? It doesn't have to be perfect. It could be good enough. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in you now? I would say differ between individuals, like my recipes and probably what's bring good health to another person. I prefer to not have too many rules, but instead goals for individuals. How, when and where they deliver their goals are adaptable. Some people need more time at home. Some people need to go do some physical activities during lunchtime and so on. I try to not set the strict areas. You need to follow it. You need to get focus on those numbers. Are we having increased sick leaves or other things and you need to invest in options for people to choose happiness or fun stuff like we have our experience social club for those people that need that in their life we have a sports club we give you the opportunity to enjoy physical offerings so i think as a workplace like try to provide individual options that's what you should aim for what motivates you to get out of bed every day coffee i don't like mornings
Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and piece of advice for our listeners. Penela, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks? I would say joining forces with people that are really good in different areas. People enjoy doing a lot of things that you really hate, like getting up in the mornings, doing crunching numbers in Excel. When you team up and when you find those friends, then as a group, you can create really cool achievements. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? I don't remember. I had probably a denial. Don't focus on bad advices. I'm just throwing them and move on. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? Wish I could code. It would be so much fun. Could be my own stuff. Maybe after I finish my university studies that I'm taking on the side right now. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? I would say learn to code. Be your own boss. You could do so much cool things like learning the basics. I had to really struggle in the beginning. I've studied business, I've studied marketing, I've studied industrial design. Not much used to when you need to learn the structure of how to develop a site or something. So I would have advised myself that would have been a better investment than studying law or something else that I don't do as much as. What advice would you give young girls and women who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders? I would say like be curious. I read everything, media, papers, talks. I Google a lot, a lot of things like Stellar. Things are changing. And I would also say build the know-how by gaining networks. Be friends with people and not set out. I need to have one mentor. He or she will help me do this and this. Just make friends at different levels. And I would say speak up and sell your ideas to people within the power to realize them. Take it there and grab one of the managers. I would like to try this idea on you or do you have five minutes? Don't make it such a big deal. It doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be good enough. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? Now I'm really interested in this new ecosystem where customer experience meets this new world of AI and embedded solutions because there will be more of a seamless experience. And I don't think that the future will be that much device driven as it is today to manage doing things. So I'm really looking into that area and trying to tap into that network through friends that are in that area. What is Ericsson doing? How is the new 6G? What is 7G? What will that give for the opportunities? I try to just learn more and I don't have that kind of a clear set goal. I like the change and the move, so I'm learning as I'm moving, but that interests me right now. Thank you very much for being the guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing your journey with, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit Queens of